Buying stock in Damian Pierce improved pass protection. How much more valuable will he be for this offense? And a little tight end talk. Will Brevin Jordan make the roster? And if so, what are his expectations? You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Tuesday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every other day? <laughs> every day. <laughs> no, your, your team except for Mondays since yeah. we're in the offseason now. <laughs> since we are in the offseason. But if you are one of our everyday, shout out to you guys. Sorry that it, we, we did not post on Monday, but we are back. And if you are new to the Locked On Texan Podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, follow on Twitter at Locked On Texans. I am John, some sports guy Hickman, joined by none other than Cody Davis, Sports Illustrated's own and Houston Texan Credential Media. Later today, he'll be out there on the field at the mm. final OTAs for the Houston Texans. As you guys can see on the right side of the screen, today's episode, we're talking about Bobby Slowick's offense and relating to Gary Kubiak's offense. You guys remember the good old days with Gary Kubiak as the head coach. How does Brevin Jordan fit in the tight end group? And then we're going to kick it off with Damian Pierce improving as a pass blocker. Coming out of Florida, pass blocking was something that I checked off my pros and cons list as a pro for Damian Pierce. I did not think that he was going to be that great of a pass catcher coming into the NFL. But when I had an opportunity to go back and watch film, and then I had an opportunity when we had a you know chance last year at the Senior Bowl to watch him take on some of these blocks coming off the edge, coming back from the safety. His tenacity, his willingness to create that contact as a running back to give your quarterback an, an extra second or two to make a play downfield. I was thoroughly impressed. I remember actually we had Big Sarge on last year. Uh, this was during the preseason, I think. And, mm -hmm. I, and I remember saying something along the lines of, that's what I like about Damian Pierce the most. However, last season during his rookie year, he struggled adjusting to the speed of the NFL, just like every other rookie coming into the league. Uh, gave up two sacks, five pressures. And the numbers doesn't necessarily tell the story of the tape. Like the two sacks, mm, okay, that's not that bad. But he just really struggled with picking up blocks early on in the season. Later in the season, in the year, he got a little bit better, especially with the consistency of making contact. But hearing from his, his head, his, his running back coach Danny Barry, which we're about to hear from, he is thoroughly impressed um, of the improvements from Damian Pierce as a running back. And it's not just running back coach Danny Barrett. It's also rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. You know, the first week of OTAs, when we had an opportunity to speak to C.J. as part of his media availability, he talked about how excited he was to get an opportunity to play alongside Damian Pierce. And, you know, forget the running, forget the fact that he is joining a team that has one of the most exciting young, young running backs in the league. 
He was thoroughly impressed on how great Damian Pierce has been in pass blocking. And last week, the second week of OTAs, I had an opportunity to speak to running back coach Danny Barrett about his improvements. And Danny Barrett also said the same thing, that Damian Pierce has shown a lot of improvements with his pass blocking. And just take a listen to what he had to say. Coach, um, can you just start by talking about, you know, what it means just to have um, Damian Pierce just for the second season? Well, it's actually good, you know, the fact that, you know, He's, he's healthy. Uh, he's looking good. He's in good shape. And, and just the experience that he gained from last year has really came back and, and it's carried over. You know, it's like night and day. He's in shape. You know, mentally he's in a good space. And it just his work ethic is off the chain right now. And he's leading by example. You talked about his work ethic. What have you seen from his growth? Um, I know it's still early OTAs. Um, I know you guys haven't even put pads on yet. But what have you seen from his growth so far? Well, just an overall understanding of what we're trying to get done. You know, mm-hmm. last year everything was was new. You know, he was like, you know, bright eyed, bushy tail. Just so much going on. So I think he's been able to come back and really process things better. The game has slowed down for him now, and you can see just his patience and just overall ability now to adjust to the speed of the game has been tremendous. So the fact that we brought in some experienced guys, Singletary. You know, track record speaks for itself, has success up but with the Bills, you know, um, familiarity with the league, American Conference, all of that stuff, you know. And then his experience and, and just the ability to relate, you know, to a guy like Pierce has been great. Uh, Dare, again, another veteran guy in the room still, but also having Mike Boone come over from Denver, another experienced guy that's been to a few different places as well. So when you, you know, talk about just those guys alone, you know, the combination of experience and skill set. You know, it, it lends for a great year, you know, for ourselves in the RB room. Competition is stiff, which means every day guys got to come ready to compete. And, and that's what I love about it. And they're helping each other. We talk a lot about iron sharpening iron. And these guys are really helping each other out in that capacity. You, you mentioned, let me just ask something to follow up with you. And I heard last year with Damian, you know, a rookie coming in, high, you know, protecting the quarterback. Now, that they, now you got to basically a veteran group in there in mm-hmm. the protection scheme set now with these backs in there. Is it easier for you or is it more uh, does it make it easier for you for them to understand, you know, what you got to pick up on the books and so forth? Yes, well especially for a guy like Damien, you know, first year coming in, that's usually the toughest thing for your first year backs is understanding the overall details of pass protection. And so he was able to uh, get the experience last year, and he's night and day from where he was last year, this time around. Just understanding, you know, seeing the big picture, you know, before it's, um, before things happen. He's able to identify, you know, things quicker now, get to his uh, pickups and everything. So that's going to help us out tremendously, you know, when he's in the football game. Teams don't think we're just going to pass the football. I'm sorry, just run the football. But his ability now to pass protect and understanding, you know, what's needed in our passing game from him. A couple of quick things that I do want to point out with my conversation with Danny Barry. And later on in that interview, you guys had an opportunity to hear A.D. Moore, one of um, Houston's local reporters here for um, Houston Round Bar Review. But a couple of quick things I do want to point out. I love the fact how Coach Danny Barry pointed out how Damian Pierce is now processing stuff better and the game is slowing down for him. And that is something that's definitely going to help him with his pass protection because if you go back to last season, John, as you just alluded to, that was something that former 
head coach Lovey Smith was always harping on. And when you go back to that very first game um, against the Indianapolis Colts, remember everybody, including us, was wondering why didn't Damian Pierce play that much in his NFL debut? And that was part of the reason. It was the fact that his pass blocking wasn't up to par and the Texans Lovey Smith and his staff at the time did not feel comfortable in having Damian Pierce out there. And two, and most importantly, I do believe better pass protection is definitely going to improve and make Damian Pierce a little bit more valuable because as coach Danny Barry said, when he's out there on the field, you know, it's kind of going to keep the opposing team on the, on their heels because if you can put him in as a pass blocker, that's going to give the offense an opportunity to attack a little bit more because now when he's back there in the backfield, you really don't know if Damian Pierce is in the game to protect C.J. Stroud or Davis Mills or whoever else is taking snaps under center or if they're going to utilize him with his best on-field attribute, which is as a rusher. So, you know, I think it's going to be very beneficial when you take a look at the second-year improvements of Damian Pierce, knowing that he has put in the work, put in the time to improve his pass protection, John. I think year two is going to be stellar for Pierce. Absolutely. So a couple of things hearing that he's just getting better and getting more comfortable that 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 screams he knows his assignments. That's confusing for a, a rookie back, you know, mm. understanding that uh, where am I picking up this blitz right now? It's coming from this way, that way. And I have an assignment. I got to make a play. And so uh, that was some of the things that I think early on Damian Pierce really struggled with. But also, if we go back to last season. Devin Singletary, this is according to PFF rankings, Devin Singletary ranked six out of the top ten top pass-blocking running backs in the NFL. The list goes mm-hmm. uh, Saquon Barkley, New York, Tony Pollard, two NFC East guys right there, uh, James Conner, Samaje P. Ron, Jamal Williams, Detroit Lions, Devin Singletary at six, uh, Derek, Devin Singletary at six, Derek Henry at seven, Ramondre Stevenson, shout out to my boy at eight, Najee Harris at nine, Patrick Ricard for the Baltimore Ravens at 10. So, you know, for, for Pierce, you know, adding Devin Singletary, who is a guy that I think will eventually at some point, maybe in certain games, maybe take a snap or two away or a few away from Damian Pierce. But it's still a competition at that running back position. Not to say that Damian Pierce isn't the starter, but just to say you have another good runner in that running back room. This isn't Rex Burkhead. This isn't, you know, uh, Dare Ogunbowale. No disrespect to those guys. But this is a very efficient, good runner who is very good at pass blocking. So I think for Damian Pierce, getting better, learning his assignments, understanding where he's supposed to be at on the field in certain situations helps keep him on the field, like you said, Cody. And then it does add a different element, I think, to the offense. Are we running the ball? Are we doing a five-step drop? Are we doing a quick three-step drop? And he's taking on the blitz. Whatever we're doing, being better at your job does allow the offense to open up another page book or so. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals because right now, New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Great promotions every day. Safe and secure app. Get paid instantly. These are all of the pros of betting with FanDuel. There's no better place to bet on all of the playoff NBA Finals action right now 
then America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA and NFL. Welcome back, Locked and listeners and viewers, before we get started, I wanted to do something. I want everybody to gather together, right? And pray. Put your lighters up. <laughs> We're going to pray that the Houston Texans sign J.J. Watt to a one-day contract this offseason <laughs> and retire number 99 this offseason and induct J.J. Watt into the ring of fire this <laughs> offseason so he can retire as a Houston Texan, the greatest in franchise history this offseason. Brevin Jordan, Cody. <laughs> First off, look, I know he retired, but I would much rather if he signed, let's say, a two-week contract Suit up one game, take Get one snap. I only say that because I personally, I personally do not like the Amazon a one day contract and retire. And I don't like it because it doesn't hold the same value. You know, suit up week one. Uh, you know, JJ has done a field, to hold wave or whatever, and then come off. That's all I'm saying. Then we could do all that. But look, shout out to JJ Wattman. If the New England Patriots are honoring Tom Brady the first very first game this season, I think the Houston Texans should do the same, man. J.J. Watt, of course, a GOAT, not only for the Houston Texans, but in the city of Houston as well. But speaking of J.J. Watt and the GOAT, man, you know, when the Houston Texans first drafted Brevin Jordan, I thought Brevin Jordan was going to be at least the GOAT of tight ends for this organization but as we enter year three of Brevin Jordan, man, things start to look a little scary for my guy. Um, as, as, as everyone knows, Brevin Jordan is going into his third season. And just like Nico Collins, this is his third season with his third offense, with his third offensive coordinator, with his third head coach. And he is on the trajectory as a Nico Collins, as a Davis Mills. Um, I even throw. Is this also his third tight end coach? Is this it? You know what? It might be second if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. Now, when you take a look at a lot of the Houston Texans younger guys, especially the ones that was drafted in 2020 and 2021, um, a lot of them had to deal with a lot of the inconsistencies that the Houston Texans provided. And I am a firm believer that the inconsistencies that's been going on with the coaching staff with their with their coordinators and everything else in between it's part of the reason why we have yet to see a lot of those guys take that jump that we want them to take and brevin jordan is right along those same lines um john i think this is going to be an extremely important ota period mandatory workout program training camp preseason for Brevin Jordan because when you take a look at those guys who are going into their third season and going to their fourth season I think Brevin Jordan might be the one that's on the bubble of just making this 53-man roster and I know some of you guys might hear that and think to yourselves you know that might not be the case you go back and you take a look at last season there were several times where Brevin Jordan was just a healthy scratch now before moving on 
had an opportunity last week to catch up with tight end coach Jake Moreland, and this is what he had to say. I know it's still early, but what have you seen so far from Bourbon Jordan? This is going to be his third season. It's been kind of shaky up to this point. Yeah, I think um, everybody in the group is just willing to learn. You know what I mean? And that's the big thing is just trying to get these guys up to speed with knowing what to do and then letting their body take over for um, not having to think and just playing fast. Mm -hmm. And what, what, what do you think about the, the addition of Dalton Saltz? You know, that is basically going to be the veteran of that position group as well. Yeah, right. Anytime that you can add a veteran, a guy that's played as much as he's played in the offenses that he's played in, um, been able to have the success that he's had, he's going to be able to um, really provide some stability in the mm -hmm. group, you know, and provide a lot of leadership for the young guys. You, when you look at the addition of Dalton, um, a lot of people, you know, see him as a pass catcher, and rightfully so, but, you know, the one thing that goes kind of like to the side of his ability to be a run blocker as well. What do you think his his attributes on the field as a run blocker is going to be able to help improve his run game? Yeah, I think he's, he's an athletic guy who's really smart, you know what I mean? And so in order to be successful in this offense, you have to be a smart guy. And so he's going to be able to um, help the young guys, you know, um, from being in all the places that he's been in, but also for him to have a lot of confidence in his ability to be able to get to the targets that we need to and, and be able to sustain the blocks would be great. And he has had three tight end coaches in three years. I don't. I don't think it's no around. I think we're going to be fair about it. He is on the bubble, right? I, I really think so. Um, simply because when you look at Brian George's skill set, your question now would be: Do you fit in the tight end group, or can you be utilized in this offense as an H back? Right? They signed Andrew back in the offseason. Troy Harrison, the fullback, is still on this roster. And I wonder how much will he be able to beat out those guys along with um, – I'm not worried about beating out Donald Schultz. He is here. But <laughs> when you look at second-year tight end, Teton Quatoriano, Jake said something last week, you're going to have to be able to catch, block, uh, run. There is no we have a guy for this and we have a guy for that. It's kind of something Houston has been – implementing in their offense the past few seasons where you have a, a, a quote-unquote pass catcher tight end and then you have a pass blocking tight end. They want their guys to be versatile. And in the first two seasons of Brevin Jordan's rocky career, uh, rocky from a field standpoint, from a front office standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, he hasn't shown, uh, shown any consistencies to be able to do both on the field at one time. And so uh, – Looking at Brevin Jordan, man, I am worried about whether or not he makes this roster. Because what is his competition right now? There is no competition to Dalton Schultz, right? Like he is the Titans, mm. the Texans number one, excuse me, tight end on the roster. Tegan Quatoriano right now is now listed as the second tight end on the roster. Brevin Jordan is listed at, listed at third. Uh, Mason Shrek. And then again, we look at Andrew Beck and Troy Hester. So I think his competition is Mason Shrek. And I would also throw in second-year man, Tegan Quatoriano. That's his competition. He has to be much better than Shrek. That shouldn't even be a competition. But the competition between him and TQ is one of those – Keep your eye out during camp battles because TQ mm -hmm. is already number two on his on his roster for the depth chart for the tight ends. And I think if we're looking at what this offense will be predicated around, he's a better fit. And if he's a better fit, you are a guy that 
You know, he was drafted during the color years, had an opportunity to do something during the Levy Smith era. <laughs> so funny. But you haven't shown consistency, and it could be time to move on from him. I hear you on that, John. I do want to say, you know, we opened up the show talking about the improvements Damian Pierce made in his pass protection. Um, I think Brevin Jordan is going to have to showcase that same thing. Uh, we remember coming out of Miami, he was rated the second, if not the second and third best tight end. And the biggest knock against him was his blocking. And here we are entering year three. It's still a big concern. So, you know, Hopefully, Brevin Jordan could be a part of this roster. I still believe in him. You know, hopefully with better quarterback play, um, better coaching. <laughs> you looked at me like that. Better coaching. Um, you know, we could finally see some of the promise that was showcased to, to us when he started playing as a rookie, um, especially coming out of Miami once again as a second, third rated tight end in this in the 2020 draft. Uh, but, you know, Brevin Jordan, man, it's, it's going to be scary, man. First two seasons combined for 306 yards, three touchdowns. All of his touchdowns came during his rookie year. As Cody already mentioned, there were several games last year where he was healthy scratches, was not on the field. So he has to work against uh, the the uh, stigma from last year, uh, drop passes and opportunities that he failed to reel in last year, and he's working up a – you got an uphill climb right now to stay on this roster. No doubt about it. Welcome back here, Locked on Texan listeners and viewers. Thank you for checking us out today and sticking around to discuss Bobby Slowick's offense and how it can relate to Gary Kubiak's offense. That zone scheme that Arian Foster feasted in, Ben Tate feasted in, Vontae Leach was a uh, all-pro or a pro bowler during that time. Dwayne Brown was a monster in. Uh, Brandon Brooks, that 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 offensive line was 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 crazy back then. And then they had the running backs to go with it, which is what Houston has right now. Uh, Bobby Slowett talked about how uh, this offense relates to the Gary Kubiak scheme of the you know good days for the Houston Texans. Uh, you know. Bobby Slowick was coached under Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan comes from the Gary Kubiak coaching tree from 2006 to 2009. Shanahan was an assistant under Gary Kubiak with the Houston Texans, working as an offensive coordinator in his final two years. How Houston didn't go from Gary Kubiak to Kyle Shanahan instead of <laughs> Gary Kubiak to Bill O'Brien, I don't know. But obviously there is a lot of relations from his teacher, from the time that he spent under Gary Kubiak, and he's going to try to replicate some of that same thing that brought success from the Houston Texans to the 49ers. And one of his quotes was, I still remember watching when I first got the offense in San Francisco, all of these Houston Texans cut-ups and Andre Johnson, Matt Schaub, David Anderson. David Anderson had a couple of good years for the Houston Texans. But all of these guys running the same stuff we are running right now and the principles and the foundations of what they did is all there. But like everything, it kind of evolves as it goes. Uh, Gary Kubiak coached the Houston Texans from 2006 to 2013. Listen, I think one of the biggest takeaways, well, my biggest takeaway from Bobby Sloyd looking to have some type of, you know, some of the same DNA from their fabric of the, Gary Kubiak years to this one. We talked about Damian Pierce. 
Listen, Damian Pierce, David Singletary, those two guys are going to eat. And also look at was it Nico Collins? We'll be talking later for OTAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nico Collins, specifically Nico Collins, how they will utilize him down the field whenever the run game is so good, they're able to stretch out the field with play actions. Maybe look at doing some of these zone stretch, uh, these these zone stretch run play action plays. Well, they may have Nico who could just cross over the field because they're, the safety may be committing and he's beating this guy one on one. And so, those are the two biggest things I'm looking at, guys. How the running backs should be able, excuse me, should be able to feast in their style of offense, and the big plays that I can't wait to talk about a little bit more, but the big plays that will be made down the field by the outside receiver. They're looking at, you know, if it's not the outside receiver, just a receiver in general stretching the field out for this team. And that's been an issue for Houston, at least going back to last year for sure. Brandon Cooks the year before did a very good job on his behalf uh, playing in that first year with Davis Mills, but they haven't been consistently getting those explosive 10 to 20-yard plays down the field with this offense. I think Houston ranks top at the bottom of the league and explosive plays. So, yeah, go ahead and bring in some of those good old days. And hopefully those good old days, as he says, evolves to current good days. But the offense will replicate a little bit of it. But they'll be successful being able to put points on the board and move the ball consistently. You know, it was just crossed my mind while you was breaking down Bobby Slowick and Gary Kubiak. This might be the first time the Houston Texans actually have the perfect combination across the board. Because when you brought up the Gary Kubiak offense, as great as that offense was, what was the one thing they was missing? A quarterback. <laughs> you know, a franchise quarterback. Then when they finally got the franchise quarterback, what was they missing? A reliable run game at, at, at a certain point. You know, an offensive line. You know, and by the time they got the offensive line and reliable run game, we wanted to see better coaching. Like, I think for the very first time, oh, and by the way, the defense was always good during the Gary Kubiak in the beginning of, of, of Bill O'Brien. Then by the time the offense was the best part of your team, the defense started to slow down because everybody was getting old. Hint, hint. I hate to say it. Jonathan Joseph, one of my all-time favorite players. John, you remember, I think it was our first season. I can't remember what game it was, but Jonathan Joseph on several occasions looked like he was out of breath. And at the end of that season, which was in 2019, he called it a career. But that's what makes me most excited about the Houston Texans, not just in 2023, but over the next few years. It seemed like that they finally have the perfect combination. Quarterback. Run game, offensive line, coaching, defense. It's exciting, man. I, I don't know how you look at the Houston Texans and don't think that they're not going to be better than what they have been over the last, let's say throughout the 2010s, because the start of the 2020s, you know, it's been it's been rough. <laughs> Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast. You subscribe to the Locked On Texan Podcast on YouTube. Let's give you guys a quick update on our journey to 4k as of right now we sit at 3895 so we're five subscribers away from 3900 we'll be 100 subs away from 4k we get to 4k (laughs) by the end of june oh let's say this week 
this week. Let's push it inside this week. Come on, man. Let's, let's go see. ahead and get it. Our goal. We, we get caught in 4K by the week. I, 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 I may buy somebody lunch. I don't know. Whoever's a 4,000 person, well, y'all got to check, but mm-hmm. y'all come, y'all going to get some lunch. Or I may do this the whole show shirtless. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, it's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.